This is Konzenju the Podcast, episode 306, for the week of August 5th, 2012. Welcome to a wonderful, exciting 9.30ish a.m. Friday morning here at Kanzen Shu. The podcast. An extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Kanzen Shu. That's correct. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. You'll notice many different sounds and things and maybe not different people, but uh, a similar person. I'm in between laptops right now, so I've actually moved back up into the loft here, which means it's a louder, more open-y sound, unfortunately, on the old mixer. But to make up for this deficiency, across the room from me, in real life, real person, saluting me, Julian. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad you're here, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been kind of a whirlwind trip. Spent the first week getting ready for my friend's wedding. He was my best man at mine, so I was a groomsman at his. And then second week, I've been going around trying to see as many people as possible. And so I'm here in New Jersey after a six-hour train ride (laughs) on Amtrak and then another hour on NJ Transit. Yeah, well, here you are. We're glad to have you. Yes. You and I this episode, but we can look at each other. I mean, we do that anyway, usually when we're recording. But Yes. So the old Daizenshu EX crew... (laughs) <laughs> in one place. That's right. Sorry, Heath and Jake. But uh, now we have more open air and more cats, although they seem to be distracted at the moment. But we may have cat appearances for the first time in many, many years. I can has podcast. You can has podcast. So uh, it's Friday morning here. We're trying to figure out what it is we're going to do for a topic. I think it's going to be kind of, uh, I don't know how I want to phrase it, just laid back and we're just going to talk about stuff because it's not often that i get julian in the same room as me here so yes i think uh you're kind of mr lyricy music man lately so that's the route we're going to take with our topic all right but we missed an episode last week due to various things so uh we do have a little bit of news to catch up on and then we'll do our topic and i'll see what it is we have for questions out there i haven't checked lately and that's kind of our episode for this week so let's get to it All right. Uh, Julian, actually, this is from... Both bits of news are from your current homeland. Uh, Why don't you give me a rundown of Tycho Drum Master? This is super exciting, I guess. Yes, so we've learned that the Dragon Ball Heroes Galaxy Mission Series theme is going to be coming to Tycho Drum Master, also known as Tycho no Tatsujin in Japan, uh, into many video arcades around the country. This is actually the title of the song, Tycho <laughs> Drum... Well, yeah. not Tycho Drum Master. No, 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 but <laughs> Galaxy Mission main theme. Yes, uh, the, the exact phrasing they used was Dragon Ball Heroes Galaxy Mission theme, or Ga- Galaxy Mission theory... Series. <laughs> series theme. I can't talk today. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's early in the morning. Yes. Well, you're used to early morning recordings. I usually do it at night with you. But. <laughs> yes, but uh, um, I'm sort of adjusted to the time zone, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> we'll push through. Uh, so this is a different theme from the prior Dragon Ball Heroes main theme. Yes. Uh, this is one that we don't have lyrics for just yet, right? Yes. So they haven't done a commercial that actually gives us the song without people talking over it and not anything that has just like the lyrics at the bottom like they gave us for the first theme. Right. So I haven't gotten around to translating this yet because it's a real pain in the ass to try and 
listen yeah, yeah, yeah. while other people are talking. It's like listening to two different conversations at once and trying to block out one. <laughs> and to separately translate the two of them somehow. So I'm hoping that this will actually give me an opportunity to translate the lyrics if I can <laughs> manage going to an arcade with a bunch of kids around me and just stand there not actually hitting the drums and listening to the song. Yeah. People are going to be looking at me like I'm crazy. Get someone to play and just stand there with your phone. Take Just like you did for what song was it? Was it Dragon Ball Party that you did? Yeah, but that was in karaoke, so it was a little bit easier. I was by myself. Yeah. And if you don't sing, they're not going to look at you like you're crazy. Yeah, you got your own private room there. at that point. So. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So that's that news. That's, uh, I think I noted in the update here, Dragon Ball has come to this series before, uh, into other series as well. I do have Donkey Konga 3. Maybe we'll have to bust that out at some point before you leave. Hedchala is in that game, so you can drum along there. As I noted, Dragon Ball and drums seem to go together quite well. Yeah. So there's that news. The other bit of really fun news was we got that teaser trailer of next year's new Dragon Ball Z movie. Uh, I guess it aired super early in the morning on Fuji TV last week. Yes. And someone had a uh, off-screen camera shot of it, but high enough quality these days that even off-TV shots are yes very viewable. So I think the trailer is obviously a teaser. It didn't really yeah. show any footage that we anticipate being in the actual film. No, it's exactly what we expected. Whereas here's the tagline. Here's Goku. Ah, oh, it's Dragon Ball Z done. Yes, the a end. lot of CG. Yeah, yeah. Also, they sort of transitioned into cell animation for the very end where Goku actually shows up. It was nice because I think something swooped in front of his face. It was a, a perfect clean transition right there yeah. to cut back over to traditional. But. Yes, so we'll see what this is like probably much closer to when it comes out. Maybe they'll have another trailer. I kind of yeah, hope yeah. they will. That would be cool. Well, they have something. It'll be one of those five-minute long narrated by Nozawa spoils the entire movie for you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> What did you feel watching this teaser, though, even though it was just maybe two seconds of Goku? Well, it definitely felt like it was building up excitement. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, there's going to be something happening, and it's going to be something. awesome. It's going to happen. It'll yes. be great. Yeah. So, that was kind of it. That's the most we've had. Yeah. I guess sort of tying in with that, I did just post up a little refresher of all the news. What do we actually know? Because we are in that cycle of... Here's all the news, and here's what it's morphed into in yeah. other communities, just making up additional information or misconstruing information. Well, you know, it's it's the thing where fans get really excited, and oh, they absolutely. start talking about what they want to be in the movie, and then other fans interpret that as what's going to be in the movie, mm -hmm. and then they talk about additional things, which sort of morphs into yeah, yeah. some other huge animal. Check out that refresher. It's got all the information you need to know. It's all in one place, which is great. Though we do link to all the prior updates so you can kind of see the chronology of these tidbits coming out along the way. But we've got some great people involved in the movie. Toriyama, of course, coming up with uh, some story ideas, being involved in the script writing. Although the script is being written by someone else. And we have uh, Yamamura, who's in charge of animation, who we talked about last episode here on Kanzenshu, the podcast. So lots of great folks involved. And uh, I think... We're just excited about the, the strongest, the mightiest returning after 17 years here. Yes, indeed. And it'll be interesting to see how everything works out, especially with a new scriptwriter. Yeah, yeah. Someone totally never involved with the series before, but obviously a very big fan of it. Yes. So that's cool. That's the news. Those have been the only two significant things. Uh, if I can remember, maybe we'll talk about site content at the end of the episode because we have 
had some exciting website content debut oh, on the yes. site. So uh, let's transition over to our topic, which is Julian music. You have done a lot of lyric translation, retranslation. You're pretty much caught up with all modern Dragon Ball music, and now we're starting to dip into like video game and image songs. But in yeah. terms of the actual TV series and the movies... All that stuff is done, and you are kind of grossly familiar with it all at this point. Yes. So to the best of my knowledge, I've now done the lyrics to every single song that appeared as either a theme or an insert song in all the TV series and all the movies that have appeared to date. I'm also up to date basically on all the video games, at the very least all the console games, home releases. I want to say all the modern ones, but you even went back further than that. Oh, yeah. Because we have... The PlayStation stuff. I think one of the Super Famicom game themes in there as well. So yeah, I think maybe you do have all the major video game stuff. You even did some of the Legend songs, didn't you? Like Sign. I, I did all of them. Man, all right. So we have everything. <laughs> Pretty much, except <laughs> for the do, latest one. Did you Dragon do Ball Heroes. No Willpower? Yes, I did. You do have that. Okay. It's up on the site. <laughs> I don't even know what's up on our site. I'll have to go check it out. <laughs> so that's great. So you are very intimately familiar with all this stuff. Yeah. Kind of what I wanted to talk about is you have such a different perspective on these songs now, not just translating them, but being a fan for so long, but now also living in Japan and just being a part of that culture. Dragon Ball music to us was always this crazy awesome foreign thing it's in a different language and other songs in the middle of episodes that's kind of crazy to us that's it sets the mood in such an interesting way but we always do come back to it at the same time this is a show for children let's not beat around the bush here the show was made for little boys right so now that you've had a chance to translate everything know all the lyrics in and out and yet still be a fan for so long how do you view the music in the series. And I guess the opening themes are what they are. We read along with those lyrics a lot on yeah. DVDs and such. But the insert songs, maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Yes. Uh, how, what kind of emotion do you feel now watching those scenes and knowing those songs? Does it lose some of that kind of old school credibility in your mind? Well, I think not really. I mean, for to some extent, it's a product of its time. And oh, absolutely. you can tell the stuff that was made in the 1980s and the 1990s just because of the style that it has in it. But I think in terms of the lyrical content and often the melodies themselves, it still really helps sell it. And I think maybe more so than I did before. I enjoy a lot of the Dragon Ball oh, okay. insert songs. And there's a lot more back then. Yeah. So stuff with the Tenkaichi Budokai and fighting against the Red Ribbon Army. But aren't they just describing what's happening in the scenes? Well, yeah, but that's what a lot of the songs are like. And even into Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. the segment, well, the very, very filler segment where um, Kaio-sama is telling Goku about the history of the Saiyans. Right, right. We've got this song from the perspective of Raditz threatening yeah. Goku and telling him to kill lots of people or he'll do away with his son. Or he'll do it himself in the end. Yes, and you've got the song from the point of view of Trunks. Mm -hmm. Well, not from the point of view of Trunks, but talking about Trunks' lousy history. Right, that world. Yes. You know, in that respect, it's often, you know, involving the characters in some way, but I just feel like it's got a good combination, especially in the older Dragon Ball songs of sort of being upbeat rock tunes and just Mm -hmm. having sort of this sort of spirit behind it. Well, you and I were talking about this. Hironobu Kageyama, when he's involved in these songs, 
to me, he can sing pretty much anything to me, and I'm gonna buy it. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with him, mm-hmm. you know, chanting along, even when it's just I'm saying a bunch of names of techniques in a row, right? Which is what some songs are. But does he still have that that pull on you? Oh, and absolutely. And while I say I prefer a lot of the Dragon Ball image songs, I really do enjoy the ones by Hironobu Kageyama. I think he was involved with all but one of the insert songs in Dragon Ball Z. Except for the one that oh, I mentioned before. Right. Should it your own Even though it sounds like him. Well, it sounds a little bit like him, but you can tell it's a different person. Okay. At least to me. I've yeah. been listening to them, <laughs> you know them repeatedly. Well yeah. Especially over a few months this year when I was retranslating everything I'd already done. Yeah, yeah. As much because that was easier than porting over from the old format. <laughs> uh, I understand than that. anything else. Yeah. But yeah, he really puts a lot of energy into it. And I think that really helps sell the song. Mm-hmm. I mean, of some of the songs are really obviously sort of early 90s sort of poppy stuff. But he sells it anyway, because he really puts a lot of his own self out there. Maybe we discount a little bit some of the singers for the original Dragon Ball. I really enjoy Hiroki Takahashi's work. Yeah, I, I think he does uh, amazing stuff for the mm-hmm. time in that part of the series. And it really fits the mood. But he just got outshined. Yeah. Once Kageyama came into the mix. Yeah, and it's not entirely his fault. He kind of got out of the singing business for yeah. a while and then had a few personal tragedies along the way and mm-hmm. eventually found his way back to Dragon Get Ball music. Dragged back in for some of those revival versions of the songs. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed, for example, the video game theme from Tenkaichi Daibouken. Mm, yeah, I did too. It was a nice throwback, and it's not entirely the same because it sort of discards a lot of the pseudo-Chinese things they had going on in yeah, towards early Dragon Ball. Definitely. But had the same sort of spirit, mm-hmm. and I always like the horns in the background. Me too, me too. It's Just also, got that soaring feel to it. Like, you can picture Goku flying off and Kintone yeah, destroying I mean, the Red Ribbon Army. I mean, in the same vein, I think some of my favorite Dragon Ball Z songs with Hironobu Kageyama are the like the last few v- movie themes, and also some of the video game themes like the ones they did with Tower of Power just because it has that extra oomph. Yeah. And I find that when the instrumentation doesn't quite match up with Hironobu Kageyama's voice, it doesn't work quite as effectively because Give he... Give me an example. Uh, well, just going again to the video game themes. Okay. Um, you have uh, Progression. Oh, pro- that was Raging Blast 1. Okay. Sure. Progression. It's a classic example of the instrumentation despite... A good effort, not like everything is there. It has it's like this checklist of what do we need in a Dragon Ball song. We need some horns in the background. We need some female yes. uh, melodies in the background. It even has some string and some timpani. I think yeah, in yeah. some of the more powerful parts, uh-huh. but they're so low, and the, just the flat background effort. vocals are just sort of wishy washy in the background that it doesn't match up with the power of his voice. So you have him out there and everything else is sort of in the background and not coming through enough to Mm -hmm. sell the song. So it's one that, well, I like, but mostly because Hironobu Kageyama, again, sells the song through his own efforts. I I felt the exact same way when we first heard the song and even seeing the final animation to it. I'm pretty sure that ended up on Mary's top five worst game openings. And not because it was bad, but because of everything you're saying there, where it's just it's just not meshing and it becomes a forgettable song and a forgettable opening, unfortunately. Yes. And it has nothing to do with the lyrics or the arrangement. It's just it feels like the mix is bad. Yeah. And if it had a better mix where the background vocals were more prominent and you could hear more of the what instrumentation. What you're saying is that instead of an original composition, we needed Yamamoto to rip something off 
to bring in those elements to really let everything shine together in this amazing <laughs> recomposition. Maybe, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like Kenji Yamamoto did himself no favors because a lot of his original compositions, I mean, as far as we know, as far of as them know. being original compositions, sure. were really good. Yeah. You know, he if he hadn't done some very stupid things, mm-hmm. he would be okay. Yeah. But obviously, he just couldn't leave well enough alone. Right. I kind of want to take it back to kind of already getting there. Um, the substance of the lyrics in some of the songs. Yes. Some of the early Dragon Ball stuff is just describing what's going on. Like, yeah. Gooden versus Goku and Jackie Chun, Kamehameha, hooray. Yes. Yeah. It was kind of just very, very basic, obviously childish, obviously Dragon Ball through and through. But I don't know, maybe take it over to me for me to um dbz 184 and may know he yes um would you say day of destiny or destiny's day, of, day of, of destiny day of fate okay. fateful day <laughs> so like many that. ways it all means the same thing yes um i kind of always felt this song the lyrics were slightly rising up above some of the other stuff but then when you read it it really is just talking about oh there's a strong guy coming yes. and i need to prepare myself yes so and, it's from the perspective of gohan it's right going i'm going to defeat the bad guy is there anything special in there or is it just that the mood of that scene said it so well that it elevates it up higher than it probably should be in our minds well i think the mood of the theme has or the mood of the scene because i can't talk today that's fine has a lot of influence on how people perceive the song itself if you look at the song itself, it's pretty standard. It's very sort of synthesizer-y, early 90s pop sure. sort of feel. But at the same time, it works very well in the way that it's set. And I think, again, the vocals help sell it. And I keep getting back to that, but it's Hironobu Kageyama, and I mm-hmm. don't see any way around that. Uh, before we leave Kageyama, I do want to jump to GT and maybe even Kai a little mm. bit in terms of how we perceive these songs. Yeah. Um, tell me, hopefully, maybe not, hopefully, hit a cats. They're chasing each other in the background. It's been a long time since you heard that, folks. Well, there they are. Um, let's go back to movie themes a little bit. You already yeah. did mention movie 13's ending, yeah. kind of feeling a little more triumphant or yeah. something there. How do the movie themes differ, if at all, from some of the standard TV series stuff? Well, I think in some respects, they're very similar. They always talk about getting stronger and fighting and hanging in there and winning against the bad guy sort of thing. The last few movie ending themes become a little bit more direct in their the way they address the topic or mm-hmm. the, the plot of the movie. Right. Like uh, Saikyo no Fusion and Oregayat. <laughs> which is basically talking about the movie itself. I think the movie 11 theme was also like that, mm-hmm. where Goten Go- and Trunks fuse. And mm-hmm. I'm not spoiling no, they didn't anything fuse for anyone. In 11. Oh, did they? No. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of the 10th one then. They didn't fuse in 10 either. Gotenks doesn't show up until 12 versus okay, maybe the dictator. The, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm misremembering things. But I think the song talks about them fighting together then. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Yes. Um... I haven't watched these in so long. It's been long. a while. <laughs> they all sort of mush into totally. one thing. I need to refresh myself. So instead of just those. being more thematic, yes. it's more directly explaining almost the plot. Yeah, but it's balanced out by the arrangement being more 
towards horns and other more less, modern less, less for the synthesizery time. and a little bit more modern. Yeah, which I think um, helps lift up the song. But I don't necessarily think the ones that directly address the plot are any better or worse than the ones are, that are more thematic. It's okay. just different. But if you want to talk about really different, you have to get into GT. All right, let's go there then, because this was the era when it's tough because there were other shows that had a multitude of songs. You think of Ranma. Rama always had different openings, different endings. The OVAs had their own different songs. Yeah. But for the most part, a lot of shows stuck with an opening or maybe two openings. This was the transition period for overall, for every show ever, was getting tons of openings, tons of closing. Yeah. GT stuck with a single opening, but we did have four closing themes. But it was also, who's kind of a, a hit band at the time that we can tie in with everything. Yeah. And so it wasn't written for the show directly. Right. And we should say first that there have been movies, especially in the 80s, where they would take a song oh, yeah, by yeah. A, a pop artist and bring it in. Mm-hmm. And well, it was a theatrical film, so that was kind of a given. And there have been songs where they took a pop song and maybe they re-recorded it. One that comes to mind is Karekano. They took a mm-hmm. 1970s hit by Yosui Inoue and they recorded it using the characters in the show. Right. But for the most part, up until that point, they mostly used stuff that was recorded specifically for the show and also addressed something in the show or was thematically relevant to the show in some way. But we're getting into the mid-90s and suddenly things are shifting. And We have a love song for the Dragon Ball GT opening. Yes, and the, the bellwether for this is Dragon Ball GT. So the opening theme, bit by bit, I am succumbing to your charms. What the hell does that have to do with Dragon Ball? But it fits. Sort it's a of. nice song. It is, it is. It doesn't really feel like Dragon Ball. I mean, it's sort of inextricably intertwined with the series now. Yeah, yeah. But when it first came out, you must have had a bunch of kids going, what? Yeah. What's this? It is off-putting in that respect, yet we've still come to love it so much, but I think a lot of that comes from not knowing Japanese at the time and yes. just absorbing ourselves into everything Dragon right. Ball. So it just become a part of our lives and our inner culture. Yes, I mean, with the 90s being so far in the past now, I mean, apart from perhaps Don't You See and Hitori Janai, the mm-hmm. other ones are basically remembered as Dragon Ball songs because that's what they were tied in with. Right. But they're not really related in any way to Dragon Ball, except that they had a commercial tie-in. Mm-hmm. And the lyrics don't really have anything to do with Dragon Ball either. Well, tell me about those two songs. One, obviously, Don't You See by Zard Izumi Sakai, unfortunately... Mm-hmm passed away a few yeah. years back but she was huge yeah and that song was huge not just because of dragon ball but because it, it was just a highlight of her career along the way yeah no longer alone tell me about that one though well that was a dean song and they were very big at the time it, it's not quite as big i think as don't you see unfortunately i don't have the Oricon charts to back me up here. So I may be wrong in terms of which one was more popular than the other. But, but at the same time, I do have one of their, I forget what, it's behind you somewhere, but it's one of those, here's a, kind of an EP of remixed versions. And that's included on there. They did a Bossa Nova version of that song. And maybe the Dragon Ball popularity helped that, but it seemed to be a big enough song at the same time to yes. kind of warrant there. This is one of our big singles. Let's do a version of it. With our other big singles. Yeah. And I mean, some of the other ones were maybe popular among the fans of the group's field of view. They were popular for a while and they sort of petered out Mm -hmm. into the 2000s after they added a the to their name. (laughs) That's an interesting song, though, because 
was actually written by Izumi Sakai. Yes, it was written by Izumi Sakai, Zard, and it she recorded a version of her own, but she gave it to Field of View. Mm -hmm. um, I think the same thing happened with Sabitsu Ita, Machine Gun, uh, was written by, I'm blanking out on her name, but she did her own version of that song as well. Uh, Miho Komatsu, Miho Komatsu yeah. is the name. And Wands, this is banned in the 90s, and they had several different lineups. And I think by the time they got to Sabitsu Ita, Machine Gun, they were up to their... <laughs> I think their third lineup Just or so. rotating by that point. Yeah, so, you know, they were still trying to, f in some ways, they were constantly trying to find their niche. And they had some popularity, but it was not really a high point in their career, except that maybe it got a little more exposure to the song. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, kind of take me into some of the other lyrics of these GT songs. They don't really apply to Dragon Ball, but is there anything that evokes maybe a little bit of Dragon Ball in any of them, whether it's the sound of the song or the lyrical content? Hmm. I mean, let's bust through time with a rusty machine gun. I don't remember the exact translation. What does that, again, what does that have to do with anything Dragon Ball? Maybe it's the uh, the American Krillin figure with the machine gun. That's what they were uh, going for there. Maybe. I mean, it's sufficiently abstract enough that you could probably apply it, it to is. anything. Yeah. There are people who've applied it to members of the band, uh -huh. like wanting one of their previous members to come back or right. various things. But it doesn't really have any bearing on the series itself. I mean, if you look at, for example, Blue Velvet. Sure. Which is a um, great song. Yes. Shizuka Kudo. Who's uh, an idol. Who's she married to? She's married to Kimutaku. Who is... is Tak Takuyakimura of, of SMAP. SMAP, SMAP. Okay. I, not SMAP, SMAP. That's the name of their show. I yes. just automatically double that now. I'm so used to talking about the show. Yes. So okay. she, she's uh, an idol from the 80s and early 90s. Right. And I, I'd say her idol career was maybe waning a little bit by the mid-90s. It seemed that way. But she's sort of maintained a little bit of public exposure, although not a whole lot, partly through who she decided to get married to. Yeah, it helps. But the song, nothing, nothing to do with anything. No, it's, it's entirely about a girl who wants to be with this guy who doesn't seem to give her the time of day. All right. So I guess we'll move backward in time here. So that brings us to Don't You See, a Zard super hit here. Yes. I actually have an amazing uh, collection of Zard singles. It was at... I'm Sunlight and City Nights is the name of a hit song collection. It's, I don't know, Zard Blend. I forget what it's called. But it's just another one of her great successful singles. But what does it have to do with Dragon Ball? Mm, I suppose if you really want to stretch it, you could say it's like Chi-Chi and Goku, maybe. <laughs> or Bulma and Vegeta. Yeah. Like, the relationship sucks right now, but they're going to keep trying. But <laughs> It's kind of a stretch there. Yeah. All right. So I don't know that there's anything else we can even say about these GT songs. We kind of hit all of them. They, they feel like Dragon Ball music, but I think it's just because we've had so much time with them at yeah. this point. And we came in at a point where we just took everything there was and just dove into it head first. I think that's probably it. All right. Really. So that takes us into a break for a while. And sure, we had some video game songs here and there. But I feel like as we were talking about the Dragon Ball Z TV and movie themes, video games kind of fit into that same place where it's Kageyama, it's the horns and talking about strong dudes. Yeah. So uh, we'll jump to Dragon Ball Kai here. Uh, completely new cast of characters, so to speak, in terms of musicians. Yeah. Um, we're back to songs written for the show rather than adapting pop hits, which would you say the culture of anime theme songs is 
kind of that mix these days. It's tough because One Piece has both. Yeah, One Piece has, they have commercial tie-ins, but they sort of have these commercial tie-ins that are specifically tailored to the show. So that even though they're sort of these original songs by the bands or the singers that Mm -hmm. do them, they also manage to work in references to things like the sea and treasure and staying with their companions together. Right. Um, So it still works in the context of the series. Gotcha. So it's a lot less jarring than, say, just a random romance song. Because if you've followed One Piece, you'll notice that romance is rarely treated as anything other than a joke. Right. Well, Dragon Ball is kind of that way in some respects as well. Uh, so I guess we get to things like Dragon Soul and Yeah Break, Care Break, which were written for Dragon Ball Kai yeah. by someone, well, the performer, uh, Takeyoshi Tanimoto, part of Dragon Soul, had done some other stuff, but it was clearly, this is new Dragon Ball music. So how does it compare thematically, lyrically to prior Dragon Ball stuff? Well, I'd say in some respects, thematically and in terms of lyrical content, it's very similar to past stuff. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel quite the same because you've got new composers coming in and new singers and you've got, you know, several different singers. So in that respect, it's a bit more diverse, Um, especially, I think, the ones by female singers like Over the Star. But is it really? We've had plenty of stuff like that. Maybe they were all image songs before. And that was an interesting one because Over the Star started as we thought it was just an image song on a CD single, but ended up being used in the show. Yeah. And in the context of the series, it works fairly well. Because, I think so. I mean, you had all these characters who were just slaughtered mm-hmm. and it's talking about her prayers reaching the other person who is either dead or just very far away. Yeah. In the context of the series, you it's can both, kind of assume. Really. Yeah. <laughs> So in in that respect, I think it works fairly well, although the contents of the lyrics themselves don't specifically mention anything that would be interpreted as being Dragon Ball. Mm, Okay. Um, And the second ending theme being, it's not the full group, but AKB48. Mm -hmm. And you have the usual suspects in terms of who wrote the song. Right, right. That is an interesting one because that was the, all right, instead of Dragon Ball specific, here's just a song by the Hut Band, clearly trying to boost merchandise sales. And it sort of tries to go for the inspirational vein, Mm -hmm. like staying strong and flapping your wings to fly. Some of those shonen themes a little bit. But it still feels like a cookie-cutter, idle pop song. Yeah, so in that respect, I don't think it works as well. Mm -hmm. I think perhaps in terms of the marketing of the series, it was specifically designed to sell more CDs. Yeah. Just because... Clearly, with the, what, 17 different versions or something like that? And the AKB Otaku will buy all of them. Yeah, I bought two. But I'm not... (laughs) I did for research, for review purposes only. Sure, Mike. (laughs) You want one? Please take them away from me. Mm, I'm okay. All right. Um, Maybe we'll go to some of the other insert songs. One of the most fun, obviously... Uh, was it Take the Stage or Set the Stage, Ginyu Tokusentai? Yes. So the Ginyu special squad, which I can't get used to because that's not my preferred translation. <laughs> uh, we have noticed that we've tried to mesh our translations on Kanzenshu from Kanzentai and Daizenshu EX. <laughs> we don't always cleanly agree. And this is one situation where uh, we have Heath 
and Jake on one side and Mike and me on the other. What do you want? What, what is your preferred Tokusentai translation? The Ginyu Special Force. Okay. And they want the Ginyu Special Squad. All right. But for the sake of harmony, I went with their translation in this particular case. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this is a very fun sort of tongue-in-cheek song where totally. you, you have each character sort of coming on, introducing themselves and bragging about their special abilities, but at the same time revealing their weaknesses. Mm unintentionally gotcha. and in that respect it's a lot of fun it's a lot it's very tongue-in-cheek and it's very humorous and i found that with a couple of other songs too for example the cell yes yeah image song and this is another one that's not done by norio wakamoto which is unfortunate because i think he would do a great would have job been amazing because he does over the top evil so well he does and he this does. song is just over the top evil so it's a lot of fun how about uh our new trunks image slash insert song uh was it lonely warrior yes so much like the previous song that's trunks centric <laughs> Trunk song yeah this one is from his perspective and talking about how miserable his future is but this one is actually sung by takeshi kusao and it's hopeful it's i want to save my world yes and it's got a lot of english <laughs> made it very easy <laughs> I can to translate. quote it right back at you yes i just want to save my world is Kai just that easily summizable where it's, yeah, it's a lot of like Dragon Ball Z stuff, but it's got some of its own flair. and A bit. And I think it does have a little bit more, I don't know, it's playing on Dragon Ball nostalgia and it's got a lot of humor in it, especially in the image songs. Mm. And I think apart from the AKB song, which we can sort of classify as a blatant commercial tie-in, it's really focused more on the series itself and trying to sell it to the fans. Mm. And for that reason, I really enjoy a lot of the image songs just because they have this mix of sort of upbeat sort of stuff, but also a lot of humor reminding the fans of what they like about the show. Yeah. In that respect, I think the, the main themes are a little bit less likable. Okay. And they're not bad. So I you're felt, talking about Dragon Soul, Yabre? Yeah, I felt okay. like Yabre Kabure was a bit, mm, I don't know, techno is not really up my alley. And it was a very sort of techno type sort song. Sort of, it's like, I don't know if you would throw that in the happy hardcore. It's not quite thump 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 well, enough, well, no, but, but it's definitely like going a little bit to more towards there. that route. Yeah. It feels more like it belongs in a series like Pretty Cure, except that they accidentally switched the female singers out for a male one. Right, right. But I don't know. I think Dragon Soul does a good job. Yeah, I think we all felt that where it's, okay, I can see this being representative of Dragon Ball. And no, no offense way. to Takayoshi Tanimoto, but I still think it would have been better if <laughs> Hironobu Kageyama were singing it. <laughs> and I don't know, I enjoy his work. I think he did a good job with the Dragon Ball Heroes theme as well, although it's just it's basically a jingle more than anything Yeah, it else. is. So let me ask you, since you talked about the, the lyrical content, how it's having more fun with the themes and really appealing to the fans... Does that make it more childish to you? I don't think it makes it more childish. I personally enjoy that a little more. I think mm. having fun with the series makes it more interesting to me. And it makes the songs more interesting because there are only so many ways that you can talk about getting stronger and fighting against <laughs> bad guys. Right. In fact, while I like a good number of the video game themes, after a while, they kind of get repetitive. Oh, they're exactly the same thing over and over, just slightly different instrumentation. Yeah. And that's kind of the reason why I base it more on the arrangement than the actual song. Right. I mean, I enjoyed the way that Kai had fun 
mm. with the series. And I think it was a shame that they didn't go on to the Boo arc because I would have liked to hear some more songs. Some there. more yeah. songs regarding, for example, the great Saya Man or Majin Boo. I know, that would have been fantastic. He could have had like a another sort of Sentai style song about great Saya Man. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a missed opportunity. You know what we did sort of lose along the way? One of the, I think it was the only image song that Yamamoto composed himself was Cyan Blood, which yes. was sung by Ryo Horikawa and that's in a, character as Vegeta. And that's a great song, too, for the exact same reasons. Okay, it's Vegeta in character, and he's totally building himself up about how he's going to destroy Goku. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It's I, fun. I want to take a moment and compare this to, it was never an insert song. It was just a fun in-character image song. But Lord Vegeta's Cooking Hell from yes. the past, always a fan favorite. Yes. Can you compare what's different about these two songs? Well, one of them is Vegeta in his very frustrated mode. He's, well, he's, you know, he's threatening the ingredients that he's putting into <laughs> his Okonomiyaki recipe. And are the ingredients the ones in the background singing? Uh, I or guess you could interpret that something? way or just the sound effects that are going off on their own. Okay. So he's talking about how he's chopping them up very nicely and uh-huh. breaking them. And it's just sort of silly because he's in character as this badass, but he's just cooking. <laughs> in this one, so. he's in character, but he's also talking about, he's bragging about he's how he's, he's going to completely own <laughs> Goku in the fight. I enjoyed that song quite a bit. Yeah. Just because I think the mix of having the voice of the character. Sure. And the the lyrics was enjoyable. I want to stick with what you were saying earlier about had we gone into the Boo arc with Dragon Ball Kai, what other types of songs and were there, I guess, would there be any scenes? Because the Boo arc in Z, I mean, we were done with insert songs as of Unmei no He. We didn't have any. We sort of did. We had the movie 13 kind of playing in the background Mm -hmm. places, but nothing defining the scene right as we did earlier would there be anything in the boo arc that you think could use an insert song well, like those maybe some of great Siaman's heroic mm. antics he could have a very sort of sentai style theme right much in the same way in um going back to one piece for example you have usopp's alter ego yes. soga king with his own theme song right which he sings in, uh-huh. in the actual series while other people are just sort of looking at him like he's crazy <laughs> And I think also maybe Majin Buu, you have him going on his very innocent rampage. On his candy rampages, yeah. He kills lots of people, but not really understanding that what he's doing is a horrible, horrible thing. And you could maybe have something in the style of like a a nursery tune with him saying very horrible things, but in a childish voice. And talking about the different types of candy he wants to eat. There's that one scene, I used it in the video I did many, many years back, my Majin Buu video, where it gets the really thick black outlines and it's just (laughs) super fun and cartoony. I think that would be a perfect opportunity right there. Yeah. And again, I feel like it's a a mixed, a mixed, no, it's a, yeah, not a mixed metaphor, but a missed (laughs) opportunity. Sure, sure. And then again, something with Vegito, perhaps. Another fusion-based song. Yes. I think that would be great. Maybe as they're fusing, fusing, stealing your inability to speak here, just that as he's fusing and ends in that yosha, just some kind of little diddly there that would be a fleshed out song elsewhere. But yeah. something about being in the mightiest fusion or... Something like that. Yeah. I mean, if they really were strapped for cash, they could even reuse the old Dragon Ball Z song. <laughs> just use like, no, no fusion right there. <laughs> Great. Just swap out Gogeta for Vegeta there. Yes. Man. You know, they have to not talk about hands meeting. <laughs> right. Maybe so I guess... Putting, they, putting on an earring instead. They, 
either have to rewrite all the lyrics or just make a new song. Maybe it's better to create a new song. Oh, maybe. Respect there. Unless they have to pay him royalties otherwise, right? Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to talk about with music? I, I think this is a good perspective. I love music. One of the reasons why I love music so much in the series was the prior generation, the first generation of Dragon Ball fan sites. Yeah. It really got me into it. We had Wuken's site, Dr. Garrow's site, um, just the listings of music and samples of music. It was just something else where you're getting into the series for the first time and it's, okay, I can watch it. I can only watch it so many times. What else is there for me? Right. And I remember... I remember finding the music online from a certain website and yeah, yeah. quickly familiarizing myself with a lot of it. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. And But I wanted to know what it said. Every site I went to that had lyrics, including that certain website, I could tell that it was yeah. written by someone who didn't really understand Japanese or sure. perhaps who knew Japanese but not really English. <laughs> right, right. So I wanted to know what it said and damned if I didn't learn Japanese in order to know what it said. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the original translations I did for the lyrics were but back around 2003. Mm-hmm. And I was familiarizing myself with Japanese, but I had never studied it officially. So coming back years later, I looked at my old translations and I decided for Kanzenshu I'd need to redo them all. That's and fine. so I did. You did. You sure did. So the months of March and April of this year, I just went back through all the songs, refamiliarized myself with all of them, found the lyrics, sheets. I did many scans of lyrics for you. Yes. And basically retranslated everything. I even put in the Japanese text and all the furigana. Mm-hmm. So I'm fairly happy with the results. I'm always tweaking things without people being aware of it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... From, it's a different perspective coming back from a knowledge of the language. Yeah. And I think a lot of them is sort of the typical bravado, young male sort of use of speech. They're, I was going to say, what did you learn about the songs as you reapproach them in this way? Well, I think a lot of my old translations, I was being very sort of stiff and very formal with my language when the, lang- when the lyrics themselves were very casual, very boastful. And I tried to insert more of that character into my retranslations. Okay. And I mean, part of that's me. I tend to speak very, I don't want to say pedantically because that's kind of insulting, but <laughs> I'm, I'm... Be a- nice to yourself. I'm an English teacher, right? so I tend to speak in a certain way that's academic. Mm -hmm. So I tried to make it a little bit more... So you've got these two internal Julians clashing with each other as you're translating the songs. Yes, I'm trying to be a bit more laid back with the translation and let that shine through. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely much less literal than last time, and I think it helps actually make sense of what the intent of the lyrics is. That brings us to a really interesting, almost different conversation and that's the art of translating yeah i don't think you would consider yourself a professional translator by any stretch of the imagination but you've done enough and you are fluent in the language and you have been doing this in different ways for different purposes can you just give us a little bit of how do you see that because that's what it is it's an art it's not a science right Well, I think there are a lot of things where if you go by a literal translation, it loses the rhythm, it loses the sort of... The uh, intent of it? Yeah, it loses the intent. Sometimes when you're translating something, you want to get the sense of it more than the words that they're using. No, I think back to, was it episode 52? 
two of our show back when we interviewed Steve Simmons and something uh, I always kind of come back to is that he said whenever he's translating the script of Dragon Ball for Funimation's DVDs, he's the one who handles mm-hmm. their translations there for most of it, is that he always tries to get every part, I forget how, exactly how he said it, every part of the dialogue in some way, whether that's through the use of the honorific or just Goku's ain'ts and those kinds of things. Right. And it is a tricky balance because Japanese encodes a lot of things in its mm. in the language that English does not have any easy counterparts for, like uh, showing respect for other people in terms of grammatical constructions or specific pronouns. And also English, going back the other way, can be sort of seen as a lot more flat. So you have to think of, well, do I want to use this particular mode of formality? How is this person speaking to someone else? Right. Um, but yeah, it's a tricky balance. You, tr- you want to preserve as much of the original meaning as possible, but you don't want it to sound really like stiff and wooden, like somebody has just popped this into a translator right. and come out on the other end. And you also want the person who's reading this in English in, the, in America and then the person who's, who's hearing it in Japanese in Japan, you want both experiences to mirror each other as close as possible. Right. And, you know, it's a tricky balance too with, in terms of the sentence order because sometimes across multiple lines you have... Yeah, right. Things that, well, the words are going to end up in different places if you wanted to make sense in English. Sure. There are times, too, where in order to get the same feeling, you have to be a little bit more liberal with the words that you use, although I think my vocabulary is a little bit better, or at least I get a better sense of the intent of the word. I can pick out a better word for the situation than I used to be able to, but sometimes it's still a challenge. You Mm. walk around with it for days going, how do I translate that? (laughs) Does it get into your head that way, where you get stuck on something? Yeah, and I don't have the lyrics in front of me because I haven't told this story at the beginning of the podcast, but basically Uh somewhere between Osaka and JFK, my laptop decided to die. So when I turned it on in the US, I got a flashing question mark folder where it should have been starting up. So I don't have any means of looking at my own stuff. Well, you have your phone. You're on Wi-Fi. Well, yeah, I have have the phone, but it's a lot more involved than bringing up multiple tabs at once and flipping back and forth. But yeah, it's it's kind of a challenge, but I enjoy that challenge. And that's first what got me into learning Japanese in the first place, because I took French and Spanish in high school, and those were interesting, but they were fairly straightforward in terms of the grammar and a lot of... A lot of cognates with English, thanks to the Norman invasion and in, was it 1066? But I wanted to try something that was more different. And it, you know, carried over into stuff you were enjoying on the side anyway. Yeah. That kind of brings us full circle to where you came from and why and how. Yes. And I said, look at that man over there. I need hymns for me. <laughs> yes. I remember, I think it was back when we were both still actively posting on alt fan Dragon Ball. Yeah. For, for those of you who are of a, another generation, this is a Usenet <laughs> news group, sort of text. It's like the predecessor of an uh, internet forum Yeah, uh, where you had lots of topics and you could view them through a newsreader or through, say, Google groups, which may still exist if they haven't killed it off. Yeah, it's still there. So you've got topic, 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 spam topic with porn links and then porn topic, wares. topic. <laughs> It, and it got worse as, as time went on. But and we killed Altafanda Dragon Ball by creating our own forum. Basically, yeah. A lot of the people who used to post there now post on our forum. Like Long-time friends. we got yeah. Rachel, Steve, Joe. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know so, so i think good. we first ran into each other there mm-hmm. and I didn't really have much Japanese skill at the time, but what I did have was enthusiasm. Yes. And two things I hated were censorship and bad translations. So I started writing angry letters to Viz. I was going to say, why don't you, maybe people don't know this and don't remember this. They're too young. Yeah. Because this was before they were born. But uh, you did, you were, you were an online petition dude. Yeah. I wrote an angry petition because I wanted to have an uncensored version of the Dragon Ball manga. I did not want what happened to the anime to happen to the comics too. And we sort of got that for a while. They <laughs> a when they released the later editions, they went back and censored things with a less heavy hand, but mm. in some cases, especially in the later parts of the what they called the Dragon Ball Z arc, it got worse again. Right. Erasing guns and things. I guess what's significant is that was still a point in time where an online petition could still get attention. Yeah. Well, it was weird because I got an email from the current editor of the series and saying, you make a lot of good points in this. We're thinking about it. Like, (laughs) oh, whoa. Thank you. Very nice. Very nice. And in the end, they actually did release an uncut version with a little warning on the front with Mm -hmm. some content maybe inappropriate for children. But eventually, I think the marketing department got the upper hand and they forced it back the other way. And plus the Shonen Jump magazine came into play. and Yeah, they were reaching a wider audience, I think. So they probably wanted to just not have any sort of legal issues like the kind of the parents who got up in arms about what they had left to give their little kids without actually reading themselves first. And there's that Toys R Us incident where the mom went haywire over, I think it was, she picked up just a bag of comics and Dragon Ball was in there. Yeah. It was early PP Goku. And uh, and we had that incident just uh, maybe a couple of years ago where I forget what town it was, what state it was, but... They wanted it to ban it from a library it was or something? smut. And those PDFs. Oh, geez. So... We've learned a lot about you. <laughs> yeah. Even though you've been with us for so long. but I know. Well, I, I love when you're in person, it, it kind of gives us a chance to uh, pat you on the back a little bit more and get to learn the real Julian. Yeah. But I mean, it was through that that I kind of became, I guess you could call it a friend of the website, but we started sure. emailing each other. And, and you, I was getting ready to relaunch in a couple yeah. of years from then. So and, I came onto the site from there. And I've always been sort of mostly focused on the songs and the lyrics, doing other things around the site as I saw fit. Mm-hmm. At some point, I kind of gave up on the old Daizenju EX version of the manga guide, right. just because things were getting a little too expansive. And I was annoyed at Viz for going back and starting to censor things again. Right, right. But uh, luckily we had Kanzentai producing the content <laughs> that we were not. Right. And it all meshes together so nicely now. Yes. And I finally did Dragon Ball Party. You know, that was the thing that killed my enthusiasm for the lyrics the first go around. Yeah. There's this song that has a gigantic section of lyrics that I couldn't understand because... A, it was too fast, and two, it was too sort of, it had too much wordplay going on that I couldn't understand. Yeah. So to finally have that done and have everything up to date is such a relief. Yeah. You just feel this burden has been lifted from you? Yes. And I do intend to do the Galaxy Mission theme for Dragon Ball Heroes at some point, if I can get kids not to stare at me. You can have your daughter play it. Just have her bang on the drums for a while. Well, she'd like that. (laughs) As long as it doesn't fail you mid-song, I guess you'd have to do that research first. Mmm. That's a good point. I don't know. Maybe I'd have to have the camera one hand and beat on the yeah, drum with the other. Play the song on your own. I hope this is one of the easier ones. Just put it on the easiest mode and just... Uh, 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 <laughs> Maybe. Bluff your way through. Uh, there's so much more we could get into, but and the cats are 
off and having a field day down there. We've already been going for about an hour. That's like the length of a podcast episode, I guess. Yeah. I guess uh, what I want to... Oh, sorry, I knocked the microphone. Any, what I, what I want to finish up by talking about is just, sure. you know, where we're going from here. Yeah, yeah. I've got a lot of English lyrics that I've already done. A lot of stuff by the original artists who did the Japanese versions. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things used in other English versions of the series. And they will find their way onto the site in the near future. I was kind of intending to do them while I was in the U.S. and had more free time, (laughs) but that didn't work out. I do have a fresh backup of my computer in Japan, so don't worry. The content is still safe. I just have no access to it whatsoever at the moment. It's just a world away at the moment. Yes. And after that, I'm just going to keep plowing forward. There are image songs to do, things that I like. Yeah, some of the favorite Fan favorites, songs. like yeah. Space People DBZ and... Cool some... Cool Dandy, Power of Smile. Exactly. Yeah. And I like some of the, the female ones mm-hmm. because, you know, you mostly hear Hironobu Kageyama and with the later things in some of the video games and Kai, you have canon and we'll see if she's still involved considering her relationship with <laughs> I know. kenji yamamoto does it uh apple fall far from the tree or not well i don't recognize anything that i'm familiar with in her work and that yeah, doesn't but mean... we didn't for the longest time either with well maybe with a couple songs but who knows who knows but we'll see um but yeah it has a different aspect and it usually focuses on happier things or Mm -hmm. emotional aspects where the men's songs are more about fighting or boasting or yeah this is so cool (laughs) so it's a different thing and i I look forward to translating stuff like that too nice and some of the character songs as well i really want to get in and do like the entire transcription of uh the karaoke songs with chi chi and gohan oh the drunken ones um they're they're a lot of fun it's going to be a lot of a pain to do just because they go on and on in the spoken sections. Mm-hmm. But if I can figure out a way to make it clear who's talking to whom, uh, it could be a lot of fun and also figure out a standardized way of portraying Chi-Chi's speech, which might require me to go back and read a little bit of the manga where she's talking Yeah, and see how Toriyama does it. Well, and it's different in the TV version. Then you have two different voice actresses playing her at different parts too. Right. The earlier one is what Mayumi show and the later mm-hmm. one is Naoko Watanabe, Watanabe also... Yeah. Right. voice actress right but those were a lot of fun to listen to and I, I i'm looking forward to trying my hand at translating them as well so you see there's a challenge to yourself yes too. and in, in the future i also want to do a few non-series things things like for example f yeah by maximum the hormone It'd be great it's a little bit i'm gonna say stream of consciousness and not necessarily anything resembling grammar right figuring out how to portray that in English could be a little bit of a challenge in itself. And a couple of things that were inspired by Dragon Ball or sort of together with Dragon Ball things, but not necessarily of Dragon Ball, like B-sides from Dragon Ball artists. Mm, okay. So those are all things that I want to cover in the future. A down lifetime the line. of work ahead of you. Well, yeah, especially with uh, some things that I am anticipating towards the end of this year, the beginning next year. And I'll... I'll um, let you guys in the internet know what that is everyone's under embargo for all these different things yes but you will see (laughs) and i I promise it's something good maybe not something that directly has anything to do with the website but maybe it might it might it might not we'll see all right let's wrap it up man we've been doing this for a while it's been a good time uh i wanted to talk about maybe some of the new content on the site but 
animation doesn't really have much to do with music, so maybe we'll save no. it for another day. But it's been very popular. Yes, but if you check out the website, we've got some updates on features. We have the animation styles guide that just debuted. So check them out. There's a wealth of information, and we're still putting up old stuff as well. Yeah. So check out the new and old content, and have fun. Yeah, I actually did a, a thread over on the forum. Uh, here's all the stuff we did over the last month or so, and half of it's new, half of it's old. So you can see a lot of that old content still making its way over. Right. All right, Julian, tell the fine folks the website that we all live at. Yes, well, you can find us. That is Mike, me, Heath, and Jake and sometimes Mary, at <laughs> Konzenshu. That's www.kanzenshuu.com. Correctamundo. That's the central place to find the website with all the news and all the features, the podcast, Facebook page, Twitter page, all that stuff. It's been great having you in my house, man. Yeah, it's nice to finally see the place after you've been here for, what, three years? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> been a while. You've been busy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got married. I had a child. You're in Japan. I live in Japan. You can't just hop over any. I know. It's weird. Yeah. I'd like to be back here for at least a few years in the near future, do some grad school work. Good. Come on back. As long as my wife doesn't go crazy in the process. <laughs> All right. We gave the website. We gave you tons of great content this week. So I think we'll, we'll call it wraps here. Thank you again, sir. It's my pleasure. So for Julian, for Jake, and for Heath, of course, my name is Mike Vegito EX. This was episode 306? I think, probably. The title says 306 of our podcast. We'll see you next week for 307. We'll talk some good stuff. Dragon Ball. Julian, wrap it up. In person, right across from me. Yes. うそじゃないぜ夢が踊る地球を壊すやつは俺が黙っちゃいないカットビのパッションドラゴンボール <笑><笑> Ah, okay. Anyway. <clears throat>